ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new edition of the Lashing Out Podcast, the Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Prugar. Kevin, we begin this episode with some of the probably the hardest words that we're going to have to talk about because we're pretty upbeat. But we, I would be remiss if we did not talk about what has happened at UVA this week um, and the unfortunate events that have gone on there. I agree. Um, UVA, born and raised in Richmond. Um, not a UVA fan by any figment of the imagination, but um, we just have to, our condolences, our thoughts are with the families of, let's see, Deshaun Perry, Devin Chandler, and Lavelle Davis Jr. Those are the three players on the UVA football team who uh, tragically passed away this morning. Um, there's still two other victims who were wounded by the actions of the suspect and um yeah it's close to home it's never fun to talk about those kind of things no and it's not and it's unfortunate that we have to talk about it because you know football is a game but life is not life is precious life is pure and you know when things are stripped from you you know too early or you know it's it's a shame but at the end of the day, that's life. And unfortunately, we have we, we live to tell about it. And, and you know, as as a human being, it's just uh, there just aren't enough words to describe how poor and how awful this feeling is to even have to talk about it. Certainly. And, it's you know, Charlottesville is a small town. It's right up there in the mountains. It's a great place to visit. If you've never been to Charlottesville, it's a great place to go to. Uh, I just, I just can't imagine the trauma of the tragedy that's happened today. So, exactly. So let's get to Penn State football, right? Uh, Penn State Saturday whooped up on the University of Maryland, and uh, one of the most dominant performances that I've seen Penn State have under James Franklin. They shut him out, and you know they they hung twenty seven on them in a, in a sloppy kind of weather type game. Yeah, it really is the most dominant first half I've ever seen. The second half was kind of blah, but Penn State scored 27 points in that first half and gave up 27 yards on defense. Um, so, I mean, it, it doesn't get much more dominant than that. Uh, one other thing to note before we really get into it, Sean Clifford, congratulations. He is Penn State's all-time passing leader and as well as the sixth person in the Big Ten to accumulate 10,000 career passing yards. He's about 560 yards behind Brett Bazinet of Northwestern. And uh, he will not catch Drew Brees, who is the all-time Big Ten leading passer, but we've been hard on him. It's we got to recognize a career achievement. 10,000 yards is 10,000 yards, whether he's good or bad. It's an achievement, so... Yeah, I mean that's and that's I think the the good thing about Sean Clifford, right? And he was very, uh, it, it, he knows that his time at Penn State is coming to an end. We we are hard on him, and, and the Penn State media and fans have been hard on Sean Clifford, especially this year. But for all intents and purposes, he's going to go down as one of the most prolific players to play at Penn State. Is that going to result in him playing on Sundays? No, maybe maybe it will, maybe it won't. But at Penn State. He's done any, everything that they've asked and then some. And there's still a lot of game and a lot of opportunities left for the Nittany Lions that we'll get to here later in the uh, podcast. 
But let's get back to the defense before we move on. Damn, they're pretty dominant. They are, and I don't remember a defense being this dominant. I mean, unless you're talking about, like, Georgia in the national championship year. What was it, last year? You know, where that defense was just lights out. Alabama's had a few of those. And I'm not putting this defense in the tier of those two teams. But 27 yards in the first half, and I think 134 for the game. Maryland's not the most prolific offense and you know the weather was a factor but Talia can sling it they have some good receivers they have some decent running backs and they did nothing all day long seven sacks nine tackles for loss 1.6 yards per carry on the ground I yard per carry has to be my favorite stat the last like three weeks but that is a that is morale crushing performance and that's without Joey Porter Jr., right? So, obviously – And Curtis Jacobs. Yeah, right. So, Penn State Penn State is playing some really, really good football. And if there's anything that they do this offseason, it is backing up the Brinks truck for Manny Diaz. Give him what he wants uh, because, let's be real here, this Penn State defense has the potential to get even better next year, even if they lose – even when they lose, I guess I should say, Joey Porter Jr. and Jair Brown. And that is scary. It really is. And I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, I don't care how much money it takes. If it takes three, four, five million dollars to keep Manny Diaz, you got to keep him around for three or four years because, yeah, he's going to leave eventually. But if he's here, it has to bode well, really well for recruiting. Like they see that defense and they ain't even said it on the broadcast. Like this is a tricky defense to learn. You got to have smart players back there and the smart players are going to see that scheme. It has to translate well, the NFL, I'm not an X's and O's guy by any figment of the imagination, but you start getting, you put out those defense performances with not necessarily the best recruiting classes. And then you have Jay Wan Sider keep recruiting like he's doing and the rest of the staff recruiting like they're doing. And those recruiting classes are just going to get better. The defense is just going to get better. And this team is going to go where the defense takes them. Yeah, I mean, defense wins championships. And we're going to talk to talk about this a little bit more here in the second segment. But when you get complimentary football like they did, they had everything moving for or going for Penn State in the game on Saturday, all three facets of the game with special teams, the offense, and the defense. It's a recipe for success almost every chance you get out on the field. But we're going to take a quick break here and get back to the second segment here after this break on the Esports Now Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Pogar. Kevin, the future is bright, and we're seeing it play out right in front of us each and every game uh, for the Nittany Lions because, yeah, this team is good. They're 8-2, and two, and I think they don't get enough credit because they're 8-2 and two and have had a lot of success on the field this year outside of Michigan um, and, you know, in 10 minutes against Ohio State. But – you look at guys like Abdul Carter, look at guys like Hatron Allen, Nick Singleton, 
and Drew Aller, Penn State has the potential to be in that college football playoff next year if things work out their way. I think so. And if not next year, the following year, like they could run the tables undefeated all the way in the national championship, like 15 and 0 type stuff. I mean, six players with the sack yet, sack on Saturday. Hey, try now, Nick Singleton. If those two stay healthy, they stay together. They stay happy in the backfield back there. By their junior year, they're going to be absolutely scary. I mean, just look at the career arc of like Miles Sanders, Saquon Barkley. You come into college as a freshman. Yeah, you're going to have your splashes, but you're just, if they keep working hard and they stay happy and they stay together, what are those two going to look like their junior year with all of that experience, three years of weightlifting, three years of nutrition, three years of practicing, and hopefully the same offensive scheme? Drew Aller's going to be a two year start, two second year starter by that point in time. Like, that's a lot of experience. The offensive line looks like it's only going to get better. Manny Diaz sticks around. That defense is only going to get better. And besides, I I don't want to say that Penn State would beat Michigan if they played him again. But I think Manny Diaz would probably have hit the players, would understand the scheme a little bit better, and it would probably be a heck of a lot closer. It would be almost 400 and whatever yards rushing if they played again. No, and, and I agree. And I think, you know, that that is always going to be the outlier. But again, when you look at it, this is a team that is young. I mean, we talk about, you know, all 75 years that Sean Clifford has been here. But, you know, you look at who these guys are, uh, and a lot of them have the potential to come back. And and it's kind of crazy to look at that. Now, guys like Joey Porter Jr. and Jair Brown, they're, they're going off to the – to the league let's be real here um but you bring back a lot of your offensive line yeah obviously bring back your running backs i think parker washington has a chance to probably end up going to the going pro um but again if if he does come back i mean that's that's good in, in and of itself you've got some studs at tight end chop robinson like this is this is the making of of what could be a really really good time for Penn State football. It could be, and then like we mentioned, Joey Porter Jr. didn't play. I don't want to say that Penn State didn't miss him. They obviously missed Joey Porter Jr. That's a first. That's a top ten draft pick right there. But Kalen King stepped up. Uh, who else, who started for J, Joey Porter Jr. Uh, name slipping from me, but he wasn't a slouch. Like Keaton Ellis will be back. Kaziah Izzard, who was hurt to start the year, he's really hitting his stride now. Like it's a next man up mentality, and they actually have the next man to step up into that place. Like this team is young, it's fast, it's physical, it's dominant. Yeah, exactly. And it'll be really interesting um, to see that and see what happens. Um, but man, this team has so much potential. And I'm very, very excited to see how that goes. I am too, but I I do think – I just want to go back to that second half, and we're talking about all this potential that they had. Why didn't Drew Aller start the second half? They're up 27 to nothing. Your defense gave up 27 yards in the first half, and Franklin – 
didn't really trust to go to him. I I just don't see why that didn't happen because we are like this team where it's building. We're seeing it being primed for this potential success over the next two, three years, maybe. They didn't even give him a chance. He didn't get into the game until it started downpouring. I'm not going to say that his quote unquote poor play was due to the well, was due to the elements, due to the weather, but they went pass, pass, pass his three plays in there, I believe. And then that was his only series with the starters. They go three and out. And then the next, the next, what, two series he had, he had Liam Clifford and Tank Robinson as his two weapons. Does his coaching staff want to develop this team for next year? Or are they just going to let Clifford ride off into the sunset and then be like, oh, we'll figure it out in the spring ball? Um, I think it can be a little bit of both. I think the opportunity is there to get that development. Um, obviously, you want him with the ones as much as you can, but you also want to keep them healthy. It wasn't a, it wasn't a beautiful day by any means during the game. So, I mean, you have to kind of weigh that against the rest of the season because they've got at least two – Definitely. Well, they've got three games left, really. They've got the two uh, two games with Rutgers and Michigan State, and then they've also got the bowl game. So you have to weigh that and weigh that against, you know, a lot of different things. And that's not easy to do, um, but, you know, you, you obviously everybody wants Drew Aller to play. Um, and, I mean, that's that's no secret from fans, media, and probably even the coaching staff. They want to see what he's got, right? But but you've got to weigh that with, you know, developing everybody else. And, and it's always interesting to see what they do and how they handle that. But I think they're being smart about it. It's just everybody wants them to start and everybody wants them to play and do this and do that. And, and sometimes it's okay to, to pump the brakes and, and see what happens. Yeah. I I'm okay with pumping the brakes and I get, you know, saving the ones, but Sean Clifford took a couple big hits and, for this season, it definitely looks like this team's going to go where Sean Clifford takes them. You could have saved two drives. And, you know, the offensive line was already playing those three drives that they played. And I get taking them out. Like, they were thin. What was it? What were we down? Three starters this week. One that Logan Tangwell's out for the year. So, I mean, I get preserving those guys. It's just I'm putting on my fan hat mega hard right now. But it's... If you're in, if we're in for the three games, we have Rutgers coming up next. We got Michigan State coming up the following week, and then we got the bowl game. And we're in we're in preservation mode and experience mode. I just I just don't understand not starting Aller for the second half. I'm not I'm not calling for him to start the game, and I think Sean Clifford is handling this very well. Uh, he was very reflective in his post game comments after the game, um, talking about you know I I hear the fans, I understand where they're coming from, but you know, I'm thankful for everything that they've done for me. I'm thankful for the school. I'm thankful for all my time here. So I really think he's handling this way better than I could. I can tell you that, but I don't know. It's just, I get, I get their reasoning for not for when they went to Aller, but I just don't know why it didn't happen earlier because there was no threat. You're up 27, nothing. Yeah. Uh, but you also have to get Clifford playing time, right? I mean, he's got to be able to play all four quarters because in the bull game and, and I'm sure the next two games, he's probably going to play at least three or four quarters. Now, it's definitely good that if he doesn't. Um, clearly, that means typically that they're up big, but you got to get them. You got to get that time, and you got to hope for the best. And you know, it, it, it's always interesting to see how they handle that. 
And you're right, Clifford has handled that very, very well. Um, but I think the coaching staff has done a really good job of, of all of it as well. So it's just one of those situations where um, we see what happens. But that's it for the second segment. When we come back here on the Lashing Out Podcast and the Sports Now Network, we'll talk, well, whatever we want to talk about. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, last segment. Can't hold anything back now. What's on your mind? What a crazy week in college football. I dedicated my entire Saturday minus a nap during the Rutgers-Michigan State game because it put me to sleep. But um, the 8 o'clock window or the 7, 7.30 window, the, the primetime Eastern window, was crazy. Oregon, Washington, the legend of Michael Penix Jr. lives on. The not-so-legend of Bo Nix lives on. Uh, big loss for Oregon. I think that's going to take him out of the playoff. Um, and then, let's see, North Carolina, Wake Forest, Drake May, another win there in primetime. On the road is Wake Forest, the smallest D1 school in the country. What, 5,000 students or something like that? Um Keep an eye on that North Carolina team, though. Citrus Bowl, Orange Bowl, there could, excuse me, yeah, Orange Bowl, ACC, potentially Big Ten matchup as the wild card. That could be Penn State. Um, so if I'm a Penn State fan, I'm kind of watching UNC now because I think they're going to beat Clemson in the ACC championship game. And that means Big Ten. Penn State has a good chance of being an at-large for the New Year's Six game. Mm-hmm. That seems like a good spot to put them. And then finally, uh, Ole Miss losing to Alabama at home. Yeah, it, it, listen, the chaos is only going to begin because the playoffs come down to the, what happens in the Michigan-Ohio State game. And if Michigan and Ohio State play a tight game, there's a very good chance that both end up playing in the playoffs. Because – I mean, TCU is TCU, whatever. But Tennessee, they don't get to play in that conference championship game. Now, the loser of the big te- of that matchup, Michigan-Ohio State, doesn't get to either. But it's just going to come down to who who people like more, right? Um, so Penn State is what? They've been rumored. They projected to be in the Rose Bowl, possibly. The Orange Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Citrus Bowl. So I would imagine it's going to be between those four. Personally, I would like to go to Miami. We all know that. Um, I do think that UNC is better than Clemson. I don't think Clemson is as good as they used to be or as they were in previous years, but they're still Clemson. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Penn State lucks out because they've got Rutgers and Michigan State. Control what you can control. Take care of business. Good things are going to happen. So, and watch the dominoes fall without you because as they keep winning and keep dominating, it gets closer and closer to the top 10, to the top eight, to the top six. And that's where the the new year six really comes into play. Yeah. I think just looking at the rankings here, TCU is undefeated. You have four undefeated teams. Uh, Those are the four in the playoff picture right now, Tennessee, 
they're not going to move up. I don't know if they'll move down. I don't know who's who they got on their schedule upcoming. Um, LSU is going to face Georgia in the national in the SEC championship game. It's probably a loss for LSU. So that puts them to three losses. Three losses, they're going to fall like a fall like a rock. Um, USC is, I think, the one to watch. You know that offense looks stellar against Colorado. You know they kind of sputtered a little bit to start. It was a Friday night game in Colorado. No, it was at the Coliseum. Friday night game in the Coliseum. Probably a little bit hard to get juiced up for the uh, one and eight Colorado Buffalo. Um, that's something to look out for. And then Alabama has no shot. Like you said, Clemson, they're probably going to lose. So, I mean, and then it's Utah. But I think what's is the Pac 12 game, Pac 12 championship game will be USC Utah, I believe. Potentially. But USC's got UCLA and Notre Dame to finish out the season. Now, UCLA has implications on the Pac 12, um, whereas, Pac, whereas Penn, or, uh, USC and Notre Dame does not. So it, it'll be interesting because how that goes depends on who penn state would play in the bowl and who they're going to play uh and where they're going to play it i should say so i don't think they're going to fall any further down in the bowl tier than the citrus bowl if they went out uh but they could also be as high as the rose bowl um depending on what happens with the big 10 in michigan ohio state but i also can see them going to the cotton bowl and of course my my personal favorite the orange um, so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out, but, but man, this is a great time of year. Cause we got two, three weeks of pure chaos. that's going to happen and I'm, I'm ready for it. And yeah, I'm luckily Penn state hopefully can avoid the chaos with Rutgers and, uh, the, uh, ever challenge, the ever challenging Rutgers and then Michigan state Thanksgiving weekend, anything happens when Sparty and Penn state get together for the prestigious trophy that someone's uncle made in their garage, the land grant, trophy. the land grant trophy, um, you know, so hopefully Penn state is two winnable games. They're a 10 and two and they're sitting pretty Tennessee has South Carolina and Vanderbilt, uh, Vanderbilt with a big win over our, our former boy, Will Levis. He's banged up, but man, you can't lose to Vanderbilt. No, no, you cannot. But, we see we stay winning here on the Lashing Out podcast. So with that said, for Kevin Quigley, I'm Jared Perver. Thank you as always for joining us on the Nitty Sports Now Network. We'll talk to you again later this week.